Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. From the auction community studios for the next four hours. It is the Wolf and Luke show here on a Tuesday morning. Lots to get into, Wolf. How's it going? You know, I'd love it. Oh, I'm doing well, Luke. Thank you so much. It is Tuesday and it feels really, really good because it's not Monday. It is Tuesday. <laughs> it's a low bar to clear. And here we go. There is new life, is there not? There is hope, Basinonians, that somehow, some way, your Tuesday is going to be better than your Monday. I just got tied up in my own headphone cords, Wolf, so this is already falling behind Monday to uh, to start this week. But look, we've got a lot of football, but we've got a lot of basketball to, got, uh, to get into today because we had Suns Media Day yesterday, and we, we were able to scratch the surface of what was going on, but it was also going on during our show. So like, we talked to Kellen, and we had some of the quotes, but now we have everything. We've had... You know, 12, 15, 16 hours to digest all of it. And there was a lot of different topics that are pretty meaningful this time around. You know, media day is always, it signifies the start of the season, but it, you don't always have this much to talk about. With the Suns, you have a lot to talk about, Wolf. You really do this year with this team. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, man. You know the way I got jacked up yesterday, just knowing that it was media day, just knowing that it was the start to the Suns, of course, their training camp. They had their meetings, of course, and training camp has begun for the Phoenix Suns. They're getting ready to play a game against, who is it, Luke? Your guy, your team that you've been promoting. Oh, the 36ers. No, it's going to be huge. The Adelaide 36ers. That's looming, of course. That's coming up. That's the start to the preseason. Just really, really hopeful and excited that it seems like a new start for this team. And I think that's exactly what they needed. Yeah. I'm interested to see how things play out without Jay Crowder. We'll get into that more later on in the show without JaVale McGee um, because they're they're stripped down a little bit. But I still think they are missing a piece coming back if they are, in fact, going to trade Jay Crowder. But let's let's get to let's let's just go back all the way till the the way last season ended. okay? and the first order of business in the offseason before Kevin Durant officially became available and all the other stuff that happened this offseason, Wolf, it was really, okay. what are you going to do? With DeAndre Ayton, is is this guy? Is he is he a long term answer here? Why aren't you paying him? Do you are you hoping he goes somewhere else? Like what's what's happening here? And they get the deal done with Ayton, but not until the Pacers forced them essentially to get the deal done with Ayton. At least those were the optics. That's how it looked. They could have just paid him before that. Yeah, James Jones yesterday was like, no, no, we we were pretty clear. We always wanted Ayton. I mean, we've had plenty of conversations, but we we were clear since day one that we wanted DeAndre here. And and the unique thing about sport is whenever you start talking about contracts, um, a lot of noise happens. Um, people attribute things to you that you didn't say. All right. Uh, they may have been clear internally that they wanted DeAndre Ayton. I'm a big yeah. James Jones guy. Yeah. I don't think they were clear externally at all. Otherwise, you would have just paid him. Now, I know they saved a year by not doing it, and maybe that's part of it, but they it didn't. It was not clear for a good chunk of the summer. They definitely wanted him back. 
You know, he's so amazing. You they start, tried to trade him last yeah, year. I know, I, I know exactly. You start with James Jones, and of course, you're talking about DeAndre Ayton for the most part. Just DeAndre Ayton, that's my number one takeaway. We talked to Killer about this yesterday, but just DeAndre Ayton and listening to him at the press conference right now. You know what? Things didn't go well. Uh, things didn't go maybe as planned for DeAndre Ayton, and he's a Phoenix Sun going forward, and he got his boatload of money. He got his bank. There's no doubt. But having said that, um, has this experience changed him at all? That's what I want to know. Because yesterday, he sounded downright forlorn. Ooh, not even melancholy. Forlorn. Here's here's a DA yesterday, and these answers are all pretty quick. Uh, Aiton asked about his reaction to getting the uh, the Suns to match Indiana's offer. What was your initial reaction once the Suns matched the Pacers' offer? I was happy. It was all done, I guess. That's it? Yep. Okay. <laughs> That was, that was get so fired up for the new season. Man, that was uncomfortable right there. That was like Bill Belichick. <laughs> that was like Bill right there in front of the media. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, was was DeAndre feeling okay? Honestly, I, I don't. It just sounds like he was feeling happy and listening. Of course, <laughs> listening to all of his answers. <laughs> He looked like he wanted to be anywhere but up there right now. He looked like he had the flu or something like that. I honestly wouldn't that be great for like the opening season hype video? Like, okay, you're there opening <laughs> night. You got the music blasting and all the shots of the valley and the New Jerseys, and then just Da saying uh, it didn't work. That's yeah. the pace was off. I was happy. It was all done, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt at the end of the season last year. Uh, how much money did he actually get right there? $133 million. $133 million. I was happy. It was all done. <laughs> it was all done. I okay. guess. What does I guess um, mean? Yeah, I know. It, it just it was so weird, all of his answers. Um, again, I, I don't know what his condition is. Um, Kellen Olson, of course, killer. He was right. He was like, people are going to speculate as to, you know, his demeanor. Yeah, you're doggone right. Well, because DA was talking during our show yesterday, so I wasn't getting to hear it. I was getting to see all the reaction when we talked to Kellen. Uh, you know, we got his reaction. So I was like, okay, maybe people are overreacting. Wolf, that's one clip. I've got 10 here. You want some more? I want more, but think of the, the look on his face was yeah. placid. Placid, never changed. When when I actually heard the audio, I was like, "Oh no, it's actually worse than everybody said." Uh, okay, Da, on how his emotions were during the summer. You know, I was under a rock, just working. You know, um, I was just leaving all that in, you know, my agent's hands, and you know, I trusted my team. All right, not looking back on summer now. Time to move forward. How about this one? Yeah, I mean, when I look back. You know, I don't want to take no steps back. I just want to move forward. Okay, he may be happy to be here, but he doesn't sound happy about anything right now. You know, honestly, give me more of this. Just get base and onions. You've got to hear this. Gather around and listen to this because it was all the same. Well, the first one, and I'm going to play more, but the very first one, I mean, that is his first question. At Media Day, the Suns, and I'm not saying this is all something that he has to, you know, help turn the tide on, but they're trying to turn the, the page on a controversial offseason. All the stuff that happened with Sarver in the last couple weeks, you know, his contract, DAs, all the Kevin Durant stuff, the way last season ended, and his first response is, 
I was happy, I guess. Yeah. Uh, here's I more guess. from DA. They asked him, uh, what's the next step for you with the contract out of the way? Just getting better and winning. Um, backing it up. Um, you know, just continuing to win and, you know, just just be a part of the league when it just comes to winning and just, you know, just being that big piece. I, I miss the what's popping, what's popping. Uh, yeah, today. what's popping. You know what? Honestly, um, I'm not. But they don't have what a game tonight. I just say, I know that. I, but Luke, is it possible that maybe, maybe uh, having a child? How, how about maybe that? Maybe he's tired. No. <laughs> he slept in two days because of his kid. He was out till five in the morning, whatever. No, that's uh, what. How about that, though? Maybe the fact that he is a dad and he's getting older and maybe he is maturing and maybe I know this is a lot of wishful thinking. It sounds like he just aged 40 years. Right, <laughs> on my part right here, and you know me, I'm the optimist. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to say, he, he's getting it. He's getting it. Do you remember DJ Humphreys? And of course, what BA used to call him. Yeah, I do, absolutely. Knee deep, right? yeah, That's absolutely. what he used to call him. Yep. Like that. that really got to DJ Humphreys. Okay. And he is a complete dog right now. And DJ was not a dog, in my opinion, when he first showed up here. Or he's BA's a, opinion. He's a total dog right now. And he changed. And you know what DJ cited? His child. He didn't want his kids actually Googling him and suddenly seeing knee deep. He didn't want that. Well, that's, okay? I'm just saying, okay. and that, is it possible that this is... Happened yes, to it's hundred percent possible. But DJ Humphreys still sounds happy when you talk to him. Da, well, like now he's in a whole different spot than Da. Is. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. And look, it's it's one it's one press conference. Um, if they had a game tonight against Dallas, I would think, <laughs> oh, this is perfect. Like he's already in the zone. But dude, the game's not for three weeks. I don't want. <laughs> I know. I understand. Everybody wants Da to be more intense. He doesn't yes. have to be miserable, of course. <laughs> there is a difference. You know what? I love the little melancholy intensity. Okay, more on this as the show unfolds. Uh, week four of Bix Picks is underway, so you should text PICK to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize. 75-inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners are going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. So text PICK to 620-620 to enter. We come back. All right, Wolf has watched the tape for the Cardinals-Rams game. Um, <laughs> we'll get into that next. What exactly happened? He's going to break it down. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. What? Hi, this is Cliff Kingsbury, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. On the jog! Let's go! Cliff grinds like he is here in this building all the time, like 4 a.m. Unbelievable coach, great guy. He's not facing the same scrutiny. That pretty boy football they try to tag us with so many years ago. Doesn't really talk much, just kind of talks what he wants, and guys want to play for guys like that. You're only good as your last session. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. All right, welcome back to the show. It is the Wolf and Luke show on a Tuesday morning. Wolf, I, I'm still caught up in the uh, in the DA responses. I really want to like, I want to edit something together. It's just like a like the start of the season hype video, and I just want to stop it midway through and put DA saying how happy he is in the middle of it. <laughs> like it's so, such a like contrast to what you would expect to hear from him of all people, especially after 133 million dollars. All right, the game against the Rams is over. They're going to play him again in a few uh, months, but we're we're 
at that point in the week where we're almost ready to turn our attention towards Carolina. We're getting there maybe yeah. tomorrow. But before we do that, Wolf, we'd like to have you break down the tape. You got the chance to do it last night. So let's do a little tape talk here with Wolf. Yeah, you know what? Um, this is really, really uh, a poignant tape talk. And the only reason why I say that, Basin Onions, is because it really deals with an issue. Everybody is talking about in regard to the Arizona Cardinals, which are their starts and how they're starting. What do you say you bring me a little something here, Mel? A little tape talk. Based on what you actually saw when you put the tape on and watched the Arizona Cardinals play football yesterday, of course. That was actually two days ago, wasn't it? It feels like it was a year ago. The very first play of the game, Kyler was under center. And it was 12 personnel. Interesting. Two tight ends, of course. James Conner in the Q position lined up behind Kyler Murray with his toes at seven. They executed a fake tackle zone to the left and then ran a bootleg with Ertz in the flat and Trey McBride on a cross and A.J. Green on a go. Tyler could have thrown the ball to McBride, but made the correct decision and dumped it off to Zach Ertz. He made the correct decision. Zach Ertz caught the ball in game six. Think about it. There you go. You come out, you put Kyler under center. You got 12 personnel, a tight end on either side. Here comes the tackle zone. Bootleg off. Oh, you know what? Dump it to Zach Ertz, who's wide open in the flat. And he gained six on first down. It's a good way to start, when you I, say? I, I was encouraged, yeah. So now it's second and four, of course, and play number two, the Cardinals are in 12 personnel. Oh, once again, here we go. This is the start you've been asking for. This is what we're talking about, two tight ends. One back, two tight ends. Trey McBride is in an offset eye position. He's lined up like a fullback, okay? Kyler is in the pistol, and James Conner is behind him in the pistol, and Steven Anderson is lined up to the right off the ball. So you have Trey McBride lined up to the right as well in the offset position. And then you've got Steven Anderson as well lined up off the ball on the on the uh, hip of the tackle. They're going to run a counter with Trey McBride leading the kickout on Aaron Donald. This block turned into a wham block for Trey McBride. A wham block, Basinonians, is maybe the most physical straight-line shot at a defender there is. Many call it a psycho block because it's an attack on a down defensive lineman. An attack on a down defensive lineman. A wham block. Here it comes. Kamikaze out of nowhere. And Trey McBride... Basically attacked the ground, and I'm not trying to be funny. He was trying to cut block Aaron Donald. And I I don't know if that was by design or not, but that's not something I would suggest you do. And he attacked the top of Aaron Donald's shoelaces for the most part, and Aaron Donald jumped right over Trey McBride. Jumped right over him. Not only was he not surprised by the wham block, which it should be, but also jumped right over, had enough time based on Trey McBride and how Trey McBride attacked him, he jumped right over him and totally messed up the play. 
can't have that. If you go back and you look at the tape, Trey McBride attacked the ground. I know he's a rookie. I know he's going to get better. I know he was getting his reps. I'm not down on Trey McBride. I'm down on Trey McBride on that play because he attacked the ground and not Aaron Donald. That was second down. So now all of a sudden you have this concerted effort to come out in 12 personnel and say, okay, here we go. Now all of a sudden they're in third and one. So they gained three yards on that play, even though Aaron Donald completely messed it up. So now they're in third and one. They're in 11 personnel with Zach Ertz at tight end in the slot. What is that, Maloney? When you have a tight end in the slot, what do you think most defenses are going to look at you and say, is that 11 or 10 personnel? That would be 10. Oh, that's so interesting. Now suddenly you've got 11 personnel with Zach Ertz in the slot. Basically, it's 10 personnel. you got a trips formation to the left and A.J. Green to the right. Kyler's in the gun and James Conner to his right. And the thing that bothered me on this, Basinonians, on a third and one, you're basically saying we're not going to run the ball. We're not going to do it. We're going to throw the ball. I don't know if they checked out of it. I don't know if they did. I don't know if Kyler checked out of it. It looked like he may have been sending a message to A.J. Green what he was going to do because A.J. Green had lined up. He was one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey, and Jalen Ramsey was in a press man technique, walked up over A.J. Green, right up across from him in a press man, which many, many times converts the route into a fade. And suddenly, Kyler... Tyler threw the ball to A.J. Green, and Jalen Ramsey broke the play up, broke the pass up, and suddenly you're punting. I don't know if they were going to run the ball. Their their demeanor said they weren't going to run the ball. I don't know if they were going to, but on a third and short situation where you have James Conner, a guy that was very, very good in terms of running in short yardage situations, and he didn't give him the ball. Fourth down came, and we all know what happened on fourth down. Block punt that went three yards. The Rams took over on the Cardinals 35, and eight plays later, they kicked a field goal to make it 3-0. It really was a victory that the Cardinals' defense came out and held them to three points. It was a victory, but that's how they started the game. You talk about down, fall down indeed, Lane Staley. I don't know why you go at at uh, Jalen Ramsey on third down. I think everything you just said right there, the the simplest thing on third and short. Why are you attacking Jalen Ramsey of all people? Now, look, it's one play, and but it, to your bigger picture point here, it's how you started the game. You got the ball first. There's yeah. your chance to go down and score a yeah. touchdown. I gave you the stats yesterday. Yeah. They're ten and two in the last two years when they score the first touchdown. They're two and seven when they don't. Um, it's maybe not. A, it's not a surprise that a team is better when they score first. But that's so extreme. 
So you get the ball and you get it to short, and then it's very clear you're going to throw at Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's not. That's, yeah, you know, for me, once again, they did. Um, I, I'm encouraged by one thing: the the sound of Cliff Kingsbury. And what he said about we wanted to actually, we had a game plan we wanted to execute that we couldn't because we got behind in yeah. this game, right? No, I'm I thinking, mean, was that it? Was the fact, yeah. were they going to come out and they were going to be in more 12 personnel and they were going to try to be more physical? Um, they were going to put them under center more? I, I don't know. I don't know. But suddenly, yeah, they got down in this game once again. And they were never down by that much, though. It, correct. You're right. Which, maybe that's encouraging. I don't know. I mean, it was a lot closer against the Rams than it typically is. But to me, the the best grade you could possibly give this team after that game was incomplete. And let's see if you go out there and handle Carolina. And you haven't handled Carolina the last three years. So if you want to show us improvement, right. go out there and handle Carolina this week. And in you Carolina. know what? Honestly, Trey, if you're ever going to do that again, you got to hit the guy right in the face. I'm just saying. Even if it's Aaron Donald. Got to hit him right in the face. Aaron Donald on that play that you're talking about, if people go back and watch it he doesn't even miss a beat he's like okay well he's this guy's rolling at me i'll just jump over him yeah i, I don't care if your coach is telling you 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 need to cut him cut him in the hole i don't, I don't care you hit him in the face that's what you need to do text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620 620 right now we come back all right now everybody's spoken. How did the Suns handle the Robert Sarver situation at media yesterday, media day yesterday, rather, with everybody looking? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. around the NBA were going to be maybe not all of them, but a lot of them focused on the Phoenix Suns yesterday. Uh, you know, look, we had a lot of reasons locally to be paying attention to their media day with the Kevin Durant stuff that happened this offseason with the DeAndre Ayton stuff we got into to start the show. Uh, there are other elements certainly as well. Hopefully we can turn the page on how last season ended with that Game 7 loss to Dallas, but um the rest of the NBA, Wolf, was tuning in to hear how the Suns handled all the Robert Sarver stuff that just transpired in the last two weeks. I mean, again, two weeks ago, that uh, that investigation was just being released. So it's been a whirlwind for the team, I'm sure, for the players as well, for Monty Williams. He spoke about it. A lot like James, um, there was a bit of shock. There was a moment where I was in disbelief when you see uh, the bullet points and then when you go through it, you start to think about how these things impacted people. How was it going to impact our team, the organization, uh, the community? And and then James and myself and Morgan had a, a ton of conversations about, you know, how do we handle this, deal with this in a way that's productive, but also sympathetic towards those who have been affected by all of this? Um, just a number of emotions. Um, and at the same time, um, thinking about my own kids, uh, I have a, a white wife, uh, my stepson is white, and I have five black children. And just thinking about them living in a world where 
these kinds of things still happen, you know, that bothered me. So uh, I'm no different than you all. I, I, there was a range of emotions and, and uh, states of mind that I dealt with. Uh, that's about the way you would expect Monty Williams to talk about it. But at the same time, there's not there isn't like a playbook for how to talk about it. You know, no, there isn't. I'm glad you said that, Luke, because you're so right about that. Uh, for the most part, everybody is going to respond in a different way. But this is not a surprise to me in regard to Monty Williams. This is soul talk to Monty Williams. It is. And remember, the soul, of course, is the context. It's who you are as a person deep down inside. It's not It's not what you think so much as who you are, basically, your soul. And it is the context to how you think so much of the time. And just listening to, to Monty, he's so good at this. He yeah. really is. He's so good at speaking his mind from his soul. You know... The bigger picture thing with the way the Suns handled it yesterday is they didn't run away from it. You know what I mean? They all they all did address it. Or at least it, it seems that way. Anybody that was asked addressed it. I mean, I have so many cuts here. There's no way we could ever play them through the entire segment, certainly or throughout the entire show, honestly. Uh, but it doesn't seem like anybody ran from it. Now, I'm sure they don't want to still be talking about it two months from now right. if you're Devin Booker because it is – No way. You're completely removed from it. You know what I mean? Like Devin Booker has nothing to do with any of it except he is wearing a Suns jersey and the, the team is being sold because of this stuff. And it is. It's a very it's a very touchy subject, obviously. There's a, there's you know, you, you look at it from the sports side of things. OK, yeah, how are the Suns going to move on? But then there's also like there's the human side of this, which is that's what that's why Monty Williams talked about it. I mean, like I said, I've got five minutes of Monty Williams talking about it here. I've got a few minutes of James Jones talking about it. In fact, here's James Jones, you know, looking at the other side of it. I empathize. I sympathize and, and I, I feel for them. Um, you know, when I made my statements last year, I stand by that, that that's my experience. And, and I didn't, and I still to this day, I can't speak for, for others and their experience. Uh, but now that we know, um, like I said, those, those things aren't acceptable. They're not cool. Um, and I think those that have been impacted deserve our respect and our support. And, and I'm here for that. Um, but I won't discount um, what I said because it, it was my experience. Yeah, look, I mean, what James Jones said at the time, that was that was in response to an ESPN story. You know yeah, what I mean? That was not right. in response to the findings of an NBA investigation. And also what he just said right there, if that's what he saw, that's what he saw. Is he supposed to make something up? Yeah, you know, once again, um, Devin Booker said the same thing, basically. Yeah, I got Booker right here. Okay, pl- fire that off. It's tough. You know, it's tough for me because, you know, that's not the, the Robert Sarver that I know. Um, it's not the Robert Sarver that welcomed me to Phoenix with open arms. Um, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, insensitive to everybody that's involved in the situation. You know, and I understand everybody's personal experience with other people are, are always going to be different. Um, 
But it's tough to read because that's not the person I know. This is where this is a delicate situation because you you are talking about star player of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Everybody wants to hear what he has to say about yeah. this, obviously. It would be weird if he didn't say anything. But in a way, it's almost like asking him to answer for somebody else. Again, Booker had nothing to do with any of this. That's a pretty honest answer there. That's not the guy I knew. But it doesn't mean that's not the guy he is. It's just not the guy Devin Booker knew. You know, it's interesting, too, because um, when I hear those two cops, uh, James Jones, of course, and Devin Booker, when I hear those two cuts right there, I think of what Robert Sarver actually wrote in his statement about changing, right? Yeah. Being a different guy than when he first took over. And I think of Adam Silver up there bumbling away at the press conference saying he was privy to information other people were not and that he wanted to be, you know, acknowledge a change in Robert Sarver. I Listen, um, it still doesn't make it right. It doesn't. And yet at the same time, it's interesting to hear James Jones and Devin Booker come forward and say, that's not the guy I knew. Uh, here's Chris Paul. They asked him if there was any talk of maybe having a demonstration if Sarver had stuck around. You know, it's funny. Uh, it was a totally different um, time, sort of a situation. And when I say that, I mean, uh, obviously the situations are somewhat similar in the change of ownership and all of this. But uh, we were in the middle of a playoff series. I was a lot younger at the time. Um you know, this was over the course of the summer when guys are with their families and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a different situation. And uh, I think tonight will be the first time that our team actually gets a chance to all be together, you know, before we start tomorrow. You know, just listening to a lot of the cuts as well in regard to Robert Sarber, um, it seemed as though they all were in agreement that it probably was the best thing to happen. The sell of the Phoenix Suns to actually sell it at this point in time. Yeah. Which, once again, I, I cannot help this situation, but I think of the players inside that locker room, and I think of everything they've had to deal with over this last year when this investigation, of course, came out, and how well they did deal with this, not only the players, but also the coaches. And it gives me hope that going forward, without this burden, they're going to be better because of it. All right, we come back. Week three around the National Football League is done following Cowboys-Giants last night. We'll take you through all of it rapid-fire style next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The biggest takeaway before we get into any of these games is the fact that there are two 3-0 teams around the National Football League after three weeks. Okay, wait a minute. Two. There are two 3-0 teams. Okay, the Packers? No. No. Um, okay, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, no. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's got oh, It's got to be the Kansas City Chiefs? Absolutely Okay, not. we all get it. it should have been the Chiefs, we actually. I should, I, have stopped, I should have stopped after Tampa. Should have started with Buffalo? No, it's not them either. <laughs> no. it's, it's not even the, who it is. Is. I mean, Philadelphia and Miami. Okay, Miami's a yes, little it bit. Is. It, it is, yes, but it, it isn't. Is. You, you could be 3-0 and and not even be that good. I think both those teams okay. are good. Okay. You, like, you could play three weeks. It, it, the 
crazy part, Wolf, is that we are three weeks into the season and 30 of the teams have at least a loss already. Don't we usually get to like six or seven and it's like, oh, we got four, six and oh teams. Who's going to be the last one standing? Yes, it's a year to year proposition, but I'd love to know what the odds were from Vegas that the two teams after three weeks that would be undefeated were the Eagles and the Dolphins. I would guess the odds were more likely that Philadelphia would have been undefeated because there was a lot of Eagles buzz before the start of the season. The Dolphins buzz, I, I, I for me it was that I think Mike McDaniel could be a good coach and they added Tyreek Hill, but I didn't think they would... I wouldn't have picked them to be one of the last teams standing, let's put it that way. And Philly's playing Jacksonville this week, too. They're actually an entertaining game now. You know what's amazing about it, too? I thought the Miami Dolphins would be so much better because of Mike McDaniel in terms of running the ball. That's the one area they have struggled, and I mean struggled, mightily. Number 31 in rushing yards per game and number 31 in rushing yards per play. All right, here we go. Mike McDaniel. Hey, everybody, we can run the ball. Just throw it to Tyreek Hill and let him run. That's basically what they're doing. Hey, Tua, throw it to that guy, Tyreek. Uh, all right, here's uh, here's Tua after the win on Sunday over Buffalo. No, no expectations haven't haven't been raised, haven't changed. Um, you know, this is for for us. This is what what we believe. We believed in each other. We believed in ourselves. Um, it might be new to a lot of the people that are are watching, um, but you know, for us, we we don't go. Uh, we don't do anything more than what we're asked out there on the field, as well as practice, uh, and that's that's what we do. We just trust each other, go out and uh, play football. All right, the Dolphins are a fun team. Uh, they're not a fluke that they're three and zero. Like I said, there was some some love for them before the season, not as much as the Eagles, but to be one of these surprise teams. Buffalo's winning this division, though, right? We can just everybody calm down. It was one game in the third week of the season. Half the Bills players were, like, passed out on the sidelines. <laughs> I'm not taking away from Miami's win, but come on. Buffalo's winning that division. Yeah, you know, you would think so. Buffalo is definitely going to win that division, I think, overall. <laughs> As I say, I think, of course, because who knows what's happening right now to Tua Tungavailoa. Who knows? This confidence. Confidence is the current of competition. How much better is he getting right now because he's experiencing success? He's got a quarterback rating right now of 117.8. Decent. That's, That's decent. Really, really good, Tua. What are you becoming? Uh, how about what are the Raiders becoming now? 0 and three to start this season. Derek Carr after the loss to the Titans. Yeah, I think it's just the overall feeling of losing is what uh, is what breaks my heart, you know. And um, you know, I feel I know I've seen what it takes to win at this level, and I see what our coaches are saying every week, and um, you know that's why we I believe in what we're doing, you know. But we don't have the results yet, and so. That's always hard, so you just got to keep reminding the young guys. They don't know any better either, you know. But trust me, like if you just if you just do it the way they're saying, you do it the right way. When you show up on Sunday, it'll get done. Well, if you look at the AFC West, and this is the division everybody, myself included, thought would be the best in football, and it still may very well end up being that. But you got an 0 3 team and a 1 2 team, and a couple 2 1 teams to start the season. Yeah, you know, the Raiders, of course, a playoff team from a year ago. What are you, what are you well, laughing at? Because I'm looking, and Denver's 2 1, and this is about the seventh time they've got me with this. <laughs> I keep thinking they're 0 3, the way they play. <laughs> Yeah, you know what's it? Russ isn't cooking. Oh. No. That's for sure. 
Um, okay, you know what, though? Las Vegas. We're talking about Las Vegas yes. right now and Derek Carr. You know, the one problem they've had, they've turned the ball over a lot. Their interception rate right now is one of the worst in the league at number 25. They're, they're, they're underperforming on the offensive end of the field. They're underperforming. And Derek Carr's got to play better. The impact of Devontae Adams has not been as poignant as most He's people thought. He's not even their going. leading receiver. Think about that. Mac Hollins is the guy with 240 yards. Think about that. Adams, obviously the Cardinals, yardage-wise, shut him down. They held him to 12, but he didn't have a big game against Tennessee either. He had five catches for 36 yards. Now, he's got in the end zone all three games. He's still Devontae Adams. Yeah, right. But that offense is not humming along, and they are 0-3 as a result of it. Well, but here's the thing I want to say quickly. The Raiders are not a bad team. They're not a bad team. No, but it team. doesn't matter if you don't win. And now, all of a sudden, you're in the AFC West. You're 0-3. That's what happens to you. Yeah. You're 0-3 in the AFC West. Oh, man. You're 0-3, and in that division, you're in a lot of trouble. If I if I asked you to just off the top of your head, okay, you got the eight divisions. Which division has the best record collectively as a division right now? Do you have any idea what it is? Um... It might be NFC the worst East? division of football. Yeah, it is. The no NFC. way. <laughs> the NFC. Are you serious? No, I'm serious. Wow. Look, you've got Philadelphia's 3 and 0. Okay. That's I think probably legit. Dallas is 2 and 1 even though they're beat up. The Giants are 2 and 1. That team is shaky and Washington's 1 and 2. So that is what eight wins right there between those four teams? Oh my goodness. That is that is really interesting, man. That Cowboys game too. Cooper Rush. <laughs> Wow! Hey, he's undefeated. Listen, this he's undefeated. And if he walked in the studio right now, I can't tell you what he looks like. Okay, so they had this great stat on Cooper Rush. He is the first undrafted quarterback to win his first three starts in the NFL since... Is it Romo? Graybeard. Oh, Kurt nice. Warner. Uh, Think I, about that. I watched this movie, too. I should know oh, that. Cooper Rush. Is he possibly the next Kurt Warner? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and vote no, but uh, <laughs> I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, all right. How about, um, let's see. Where, well, let's talk about the team the Cardinals are playing next, Wolf. The Panthers, a lot of people are still really high on the Panthers through three games. They were winless in their first two. They beat the Saints on Sunday. Here's Baker Mayfield. I mean, this is a, this is a new season. We have a, a ton of new guys um for me at least obviously being here um for the first time it's just one 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 game at a time one play at a time you know this is uh you know you think about from what i've heard just all the all the games that were close one score games last year and just trying to uh learn how to eliminate those mistakes make those plays to do make a difference and so the narrative in our locker room right now is just do the little things right um just do your job go execute because we we have the pieces so if we just play well and execute good things will happen it's not going to be a surprise to anybody. The The only thing they're doing decently right now is actually running the ball. That's what they do. They run the ball, of course, Christian McCaffrey. But um, Baker Mayfield is going to be under center a lot. 
They're going to run the tackle zone, and they're going to use the play action that comes off of it. They're going to try to attack the line of scrimmage. Christian McCaffrey, we all know, this is a guy who's been banged up, nicked up. You can just say Christian McCaffrey's name like every 15 seconds. Well, that's your scouting report on Carolina. That is it, basically, right there on a gross simplification of the truth. They do have some receivers, of course, but this is about running the ball, and they're pretty tepid in in regard to their offense. So this is going to be an interesting matchup for the Cardinals. Yeah, they are not a high-scoring team at all, Carolina. And so if you are built on your offense, as the Cardinals are, this should be the sort of game where your offense can just win you a game. It should be. The one thing I will say about the Carolina Panthers' defense is They've got a good pass defense. Brian Burns, they've got him coming off the edge as a defensive end, of course. Jeremy Chin is their safety. He's very, very good. And then you got Action Jackson. Monty Jackson. You got Action Jackson, who is their uh, shutdown corner. They consider him his shutdown corner. I don't consider him that, but he's a good player. Well, the Cardinals have 12 running backs, so there should be a way to, <laughs> to get around this. Uh, you mentioned McCaffrey, fifth in the NFL in rushing. We only have a couple seconds here. You want to try and family feud who the top four rushers are in the NFL right now? No. Okay. Nick Chubb is number one. Oh, your guy. boy. Okay. And I'm going to I'm gonna email Nick Chubb and say, Wolf couldn't even figure out you were number one. I okay. don't have his email. So I didn't care that he was number one. Saquon's number two. Cordero Patterson is number three. Are you serious? Look at that. The guy right was like, there. he was a non-factor in, in terms of like actual oh. stats around the league until last year. Jonathan Nick Taylor is number four. Chubb. I love watching in the Browns play. It's a simple game basically. It's it's a simple game. All right, we come back. The Cardinals are dealing with a handful of injuries. So what happens at the receiver position if A.J. Green can't go now either against Carolina? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.